Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Well, this morning, we are embarking on a new journey together as a community, and we're starting a new teaching series called Sent. And so in the next five weeks, uh, we are going to be discovering what it means as God's people to live as a sent people. Now, this is going to be a little bit different kind of a series because I'm not actually going to teach the entire time. I'm going to probably teach about the half of the teaching time, uh, looking at God's word. But the second half of it, we're actually going to be interviewing some of our own people to hear the stories of how they are practically in their everyday lives living out what it is that we're talking about. And today is no exception. Today, about halfway through my message, I'm going to invite up some guests who are going to share with us a little bit of how they are living these sent lives together. So today is is really an introduction to the entire teaching series and what we're going to be journeying through together. And to start things off, I want us to look at a portion of Scripture uh, that's found in the book of Romans. There are no bulletin inserts this week, so if you have a paper Bible or a digital version of a Bible, I encourage you to turn there to Romans chapter 10. It's also going to be on the screen for you to follow along. As we look at this text, I just want to give you a little bit of background right off the start, just so you know what, this is, what is happening here. Uh, the book of Romans was a letter that was written by a man whose name was the Apostle Paul. And he's writing to a church or churches in the region around the city of Rome in ancient times. And essentially, this is his longest letter that Paul has, has written that we have a record of. In it, he's, he's unpacking the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's really the theme of the book of Romans. And for nine chapters, he has been unpacking this theme to get to the point that we're going to read today. And, and in chapter 10, we find Paul, he, he's, he's starting to lament because his own people, he's, he's a Jewish rabbi, the apostle Paul, but his own people, the Israelites, have not responded to the gospel. In fact, many of them have rejected the gospel. They've rejected Jesus as the Messiah. They believe they do not need him, that their life under the law is sufficient. And so Paul is he's lamenting, he's deeply disturbed that his own people, his own countrymen, would reject the gospel. And so we find this text happening just after that. And, and what's interesting is the text that we're going to look at is perhaps one of the greatest mobilizing texts in the New Testament for mission. And what we're going to discover as we look at the text is that God actually has a rescue plan to save the world. And his plan requires Sending his church on mission into the world. In fact, there is no B plan. There is no backup strategy to this plan. His strategy for rescuing and bringing restoration to the entire world, amazingly, is through us. We're part of that plan. So let's look at the text this morning. I'll I'll read it and you can follow along. Uh, This is the Apostle Paul writing, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Here we go. Verse 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. 
For the scripture says, everyone, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. This is the word of God. Can we pray together? Let's pray. Father, we ask uh, this morning that through your Holy Spirit, you would bring your word alive in our hearts and in our minds. That you'd reveal us more about ourselves and about you and the purpose and plan you have for us as individuals and as a church community. And God, we just surrender ourselves to you. We know that you're a good God, a loving God. You are for us, not against us. You want to change us from the inside out, even though the difficulty that might be sometimes. But we surrender ourselves under your gracious and good hand this morning. So lead us, teach us by your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Now, to help you understand today's text, I want to invite you to imagine a scenario with me this morning. I want to take you back thousands of years to Roman times. And I want you to imagine that you lived thousands of years ago in a major fortified city. And this fortified city is surrounded by immense walls, unscalable. And imagine that you're living in difficult times. It's a time of war. It's a time of of nations clashing. It's a time of armies marching. And your job is as a watchman on the walls. You're standing on the top of the wall, you've got your spear in hand, your shield in another, and you're paying attention. Your job is to defend the city, you're you're keeping your eye out for enemies and approaching armies. But today, of all days, you you have never taken your job more seriously. Because here's the thing, it's just a few days ago, the general of your city's army marched through the gates with his army behind him. And you saw him disappear over the horizon to meet an approaching enemy army. So this army went out to defeat the enemy, to protect the city, and ultimately to bring about victory for your city and your nation state. And as all all battles go, as all armies go, you know that that day is going to be horrific. Widows and cripples will be made. But if the battle goes well, there will be freedom and celebration But if it goes terribly, terribly wrong, it means death, destruction, ruin, and captivity. And the thing is, you're standing there, and you're holding your spear, and the sun is beating down on you, sweat's trickling down the small of your back, and you have no idea how the battle was going. I mean, nobody's posting selfies of epic battle scenes, right? There's, There's no Snapchats of people being run through with swords or spears, right? There's no postings of the meager meals that people are eating, um, you know, army rations. There's no email. There's no text. There's just silence and waiting. And so you stand on the city walls and you watch. And, and some, at some point, 
close to noon, in the late hours of the morning sun, you see a small dust cloud just kind of appear on the horizon. And very soon, it takes the shape of a lone person, a lone messenger. And he's running. He's running hard towards the city. And, but there's a lightness to his step. And his feet are eager and they're energetic. And so when he arrives and he gets to the city gates, you look down and you shout to those below. You say, swing wide the gates. He's one of our messengers. Let him in. And they creak open the gates. He slips inside. They close the gates behind him. And once he gets inside, he shouts out this exclamation. Here's what he says. He says, listen up, everybody. I bring good news. We have won a great victory. Our enemy has been defeated. <coughs> the battle is won. The general and his army have gotten victory. They will soon be returning. So what happens? The city explodes, right? There's great shouting and there's cheering. There's tears and hugs and high fives. A few of the younger men are busting out some Fortnite dance moves in the corner, right? And everybody welcomes this good news. Everybody celebrates this glad tidings. And they await the return of their conquering general. You know, Paul says in verse 15, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You know, that term good news that we throw around and we sling around so much, we we use the term gospel sometimes. It actually comes from a single word in the original Greek language in which Paul would have written this letter, Koine Greek. And that word is euangelion. And we often translate it in our Bibles as gospel or good news. And in the Greek and Roman culture in that time, this was a very familiar word to them. And it was a word that was used regularly. And oftentimes, it was used to describe a messenger's report of a great victory. If you think about messengers, they could always outrun armies. And so when the victory was had and the victory was begun, the general would send out a messenger back to the city to report about what had happened, to bring euangelion, Good news, gospel, glad tidings. You know, in in that verse, Paul's actually quoting a a very well-known text from Isaiah 52, verse 6. It's kind of a a throwback verse to the time when messengers brought the good news of captives returning from exile in Babylon in Isaiah 52. But here in this text, Paul is kind of remixing that. He's remixing the phrase, and, and he's applying it to something very, very important. The great victory of Jesus Christ, our conquering king. Now, as it turns out, in the illustration that we just walked through, we are the messengers in the story. We are the ones who with beautiful feet have been sent to share the good news to the city, to proclaim this great victory. And so that's what I want us to explore this morning. And And to fully understand what this means, I want to uh, invite you this morning to explore two questions with me. Two questions that I want to ask of the text this morning. These two questions, I think, will better help us understand what is it specifically that Paul is driving at here this morning. And here's the first question. What is the good news? What is the good news? Well, the good news or the gospel is, as we've already kind of unpacked, is the announcement of a great victory. The good news is that through Jesus, God is bringing about the restoration of all things, of all things. And that includes both you and me. 
Now, this has been made possible through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Through the cross, we know that Jesus defeated the powers of sin, death, and the grave, and the powers of evil. And on the third day, he rose again from the grave. He proved that everything that he set out to do was accomplished. So, so Jesus has won a battle that none of us could ever have won. And he set into motion his great rescue plan to save the world. And Paul actually sums up the good news in verse 13. Here's what he says. He says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We learn three things about the good news. Just in that one verse, if we were to unpack it. Here's three things about the good news. Number one, the good news is for everyone. So it doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter what your skin tone is. It doesn't matter where you went to school, how much money is in your bank account. It doesn't matter whether you're a cat person or whether you're a dog person. I prefer a dog person. It doesn't matter what color of political sign is on your front lawn. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. Paul says there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. He says that this good news is for everyone. Everyone. Second, this good news, he says... Brings us salvation. Three times in the text, Paul uses the word saved, which begs the question, saved from what? Well, Jesus came to rescue us, to save us from the destructive power of sin in our lives. What's sin? You know, we throw around this word in our culture. It's something that maybe angry guys on street corners will shout out. But really, at the end of the day, what is sin? What does the Bible say about sin? Well, sin is basically trying to live our lives independent from God. Sin is wanting life on our own terms without God's, uh, God being part of the picture. And ultimately, sin is, is missing the mark from who God created us to be. And it turns out that sin is um, the worst version of ourselves. You know, all the hatred, all the dysfunction, all the anger, all the brokenness in our world, these are the result of sin that's lurking in human hearts. And in the end, what sin does is it separates us from each other, and it separates us from God. And Jesus came to rescue us from the destructive power of sin. And the Bible says that through the cross of Jesus Christ, he, he paid the price for our sins, he broke the power of sin that it had over our lives, and he gives us a new life, and he gives us new power so that we can live and love like Jesus. And also, we can have assurance that when Christ returns, we will be with him. So this good news, it, it, it brings salvation to our lives. It helps us become the best version of ourselves, which means to be transformed into the image of Jesus, recreated in the image of God. Well, here's the third thing, is that this good news is for those who call on the Lord. So to receive the salvation, it says you have to believe that you need rescuing. You know, it's only when you're drowning that you realize that you need a lifeguard. But if you don't think that you're drowning, you're not going to call out for a lifeguard. And this is why Paul was actually lamenting over his own people of Israel, because they didn't believe they needed rescuing. They didn't need this Messiah that Paul was preaching and teaching about. But when we know that we need rescuing, we call on the name of the Lord, and it says that he will save us. Listen, I can think back to a time in my life when I was in my late teens graduating from high school, and I took a good, honest, clear look at my life, and I realized that I was morally bankrupt. I was ruined. Um, I was falling apart on the inside. And it was when I reached that low point in my life that I finally was able to look up, when I was finally able to do an accurate, clear assessment of who I was, and I realized that I needed to be rescued. I needed to be saved. It's at that point in our lives, and maybe you're here this morning and you're at that point, 
that you can turn to the Lord and you can call out to him. And it says you will be saved. You know, one of the best, what does that mean to call out to the Lord? I think one of the best words that describes it is the word surrender. Surrender is when you admit you're powerless to save yourself. Surrender is when you know that you need somebody else to lead your life because you're not doing a very good job of it yourself. Surrender is when we can truly say that Jesus is the resurrected son of God and we trust him with everything and we give him full control of our lives. That's what surrender is. And it's in that faith act of surrender that God says, yep, I'm reaching down and I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to help you, save you from drowning. Now, this good news, as it turns out, is, it's, it's so much more than good advice. You know, you ever notice that every day we are inundated with heaps of unsolicited good advice? We are bombarded with blog posts and sound bites and echo chambers of ideas, giving us 57 easy steps to form and create the better version of you. You know, just the other day, I, I read some great advice on social media. Uh, about how to be a healthier version of myself. So I thought I'd share it with you this morning just to give you a good idea of uh, some good advice. Let me just start reading it here. Um, eat five small meals per day and run. Also, only eat only breakfast and dinner and walk. Also, eat lots of protein and lift and don't ever do any cardio. It's bad for your joints. This is sounding familiar to anybody? Okay. Also, don't eat too much protein and make sure you're sleeping a lot. But don't be sedentary. But don't be too active. It's bad for your blood pressure. I'll continue. Make sure you replace all your lost salt, but never eat too much sodium. It's easy. Just eat vegetables. Don't eat potatoes, though, or corn. Fruit is obviously good for you. And it's all, also, it's all sugar, and it's, you know, it's bad for you. Sugar, I forgot to mention, though, is a vital source of quick-burning carbohydrates that your brain needs to survive, and you should avoid it at all costs. Shall we continue? Yes, more good advice. Protein is hurting your kidneys. Make sure you eat a lot of it. Drink water. Never starve yourself. Unless you're calling it intermittent fasting, and then it's okay to starve yourself a little bit. Don't overhydrate. Being vegan is obviously the healthiest lifestyle, and also, no, it's not. Fish is obviously super good for you, and it's full of mercury and killing you. Get some sun every day for your vitamin D and skin cancer. And having read all of this, I went to McDonald's, got a double quarter pounder with cheese and bacon, large order of fries, extra large Coke, and I downed it all and felt blessed that day. No, I didn't. I didn't. So that's good advice. But how many of you know there's, there is a world of difference between good advice and good news? See, good advice is kind of optional. And ultimately, it's about what you can do that may or may not benefit you. With good advice, ultimately, it's up to you. But with good advice, there are no guarantees. Good news is a report about something that has already happened. It's not something you do. It's something that has already been done. And all you can do is respond to it. You can choose to accept it or rejected. The good news is that while we were powerless and ruined and lost, Christ died for us. And he did something for us that we could never have done for ourselves. And what remains for us is simply to respond, to call on the name of the Lord, say, save me, 
rescue me. And so when we share good news, friends, when we are sharing good news, we're not simply sharing quick tips and tricks or life hacks. We are announcing the greatest day in human history, the historical event when Jesus Christ of Nazareth defeated death and walked out of the tomb after being three days in the grave. We have good news. That's what good news is. Here's the second question, though, this morning. How can people respond to the good news? You'll notice that Paul uses a whole bunch of rhetorical questions in the text from verse 14 on. And what he's essentially doing is he's constructing a chain of events, right? And the final step in the chain of events is where a person responds in faith. A person believes the good news. They receive the good news. But it goes from sending to preaching to hearing to believing. And every single step in this chain is important. Remove a single step and the chain is broken and it does not happen. But here's the thing. The whole chain of events begins with sending. The messenger is sent back to the city to tell the good news about what has happened. So if the messenger does not go, the people cannot hear the message. And if they don't hear the message, they cannot participate in the victory. And so this first step in this chain of events is so very, very critical. Friends, this morning, we need to understand that we, as the people of God, as followers of Jesus, we are a sent people. In fact, this is our identity. We are God's image bearers. We were created in the image of Jesus. And through the Spirit, we are being transformed into the image of Christ. And what is undeniable throughout Scripture is that God is ascending God. That's who he is. It's his identity. It's who God is. Our triune God, interestingly enough, is both sent and he's the sender. The mysterious trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is both sent and sender. And I want to take a few moments this morning and show this to you from the Gospel of John. Because it's very critical in understanding. If we understand this about God, we'll understand more about ourselves. The Bible says that the Father sent his Son. Jesus says this in John chapter 3 and verse 17. It says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The father sent the son. Sent sender. But the Bible also says that the father and the son together sent the Holy Spirit. Let's look at what Jesus said. John chapter 14 and verse 26. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. John 15, verse 26, when the advocate comes, who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. The Father and the Son, in some mysterious way, together, send the Holy Spirit out into the world. God is both sent and God is a sender. But then, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, sends the people of God out on mission in the world. Again, let's look at the words of Jesus. John chapter 20, verse 21. And again, Jesus said, he's speaking to his disciples, he's speaking to his followers who were gathered all around him. Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. This is mind-blowing. Think about this. Notice how our identity as the people of God is woven together with Christ's very own identity. He says, in the same way that the Father has sent the Son, in the same way he is sending us into the world. So at the core of our beings, as followers of Jesus, we are a sent 
people, being transformed into the image of our sending God. So that means if you're here today, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you said, you know, I, I believe the messenger's tale, I've received it for myself, your identity as a, as a follower of Jesus is you are sent. It's who you are. And here's the thing. Because it is your identity, it is not based on circumstances. Right? So there are days where, um, there are no days where you are sent and days where you aren't sent. Okay? It's not wrapped up in what's going on around you. It's not wrapped up in what mood you're in. It's not wrapped up in how you feel. You are sent because of who you are. It's not about your circumstances. It also means that your identity is not about your qualifications. Some of you might think, you know what, I will live as a sent person. I will go when I reach this benchmark in my life, this, this spiritual benchmark in my life. You know, when I become an expert in prayer or when I've got all of my hang-ups and habits under control or when I finish my theological training or when I read through the Bible once, particularly the book of Lamentations. It's taken a long time, okay? When I reach these qualifications, then, then I can be a sent person. But your sentness is not based on your qualifications, it is based on your identity. God does not send the qualified. God qualifies the sent. You do not have to be an expert. You do not have to have it all figured out. You just need to be who you are. A message, messenger who understands the message. And then just go as a sent person. You know, it's interesting that the first people to tell the good news in the Gospels were hardly qualified. Who were they? They were the shepherds. They were in the fields outside of Bethlehem, and they were known as the first shepherds who heard the good news. They weren't educated or eloquent. In fact, in that day and age, shepherds were essentially outcasts in that society. And yet God chose to use shepherds to bring his message of good news. I mean, think about the disciples, right? I mean, who were the disciples? There's this ragtag group of misfits when they first proclaimed the message of the resurrection, you read about it in Acts chapter 4, you know, they, pro- they healed this guy and they proclaimed this message of the resurrection, right? There's this story there. What was the response of the religious leaders when they saw them? They noticed they were what? They were unschooled, ordinary men. Not hardly qualified. But then it says, but they took note that they had been with Jesus. God, God qualifies the sent. And let's just consider again what Paul said in verse 15. He says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I mean, is, it, is a text saying this? I mean, do, do, we, do we think that the people who brought the message to the city actually had really attractive feet, right? I mean, did they spend a lot of time getting pedicures? Uh, could they have maybe qualified as foot models? I mean, no, the truth of the matter is they probably had terrible feet, cracked and calloused caked in sweat and dust and dirt, hardly a foot that you want to touch or even look at. So what made their feet beautiful? Well, what made their feet beautiful was the message they sent and the one who had sent them. So God does not send the qualified, but God qualifies the sent. And as we go on mission in the world, we have to remind ourselves that that is our identity, that's who we are. And as we go, God transforms us and God uses us on the journey. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring 
good news. Now, this morning, we're going to have an opportunity to hear about some followers of Jesus who have obeyed his call to go and live as sent people in a very, very unique way um, in this new adventure that they're on of living on mission. So I'm going to invite them to this stage this morning. So crew, come on up and let's give them a hand as they come and do this really courageous thing this morning. All right, have a seat and I will introduce y'all Actually, you keep that one over there. This between you two. Yeah, hey. All right. All right. Well, if you don't know, this is uh, Chris Ann. This is Lisa. This is Marisha. And this is Dominie. And uh, hi. 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 All right. Um, now, they, uh, I know these guys really, really well because we spent quite a lot of time together in Thailand, uh, doing our Thailand mission together. Uh, but that's not what they're ultimately up here to talk about. Uh, you have all in the last number of months, been really, really involved in a very unique uh, outreach and, and mission here in the city of Edmonton. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. So, uh, but it is, uh, essentially, it is the, working with the organization known as the Salvation Army. And they have an outreach van that goes out late into the wee hours of the night to work with people on the streets. And I'm not going to say much more because I'm going to turn it over to Dominie. I think, Dominie, you were the first person uh, that are part of our Crosspoint community who got involved with this. And uh, everybody else has kind of joined you in this uh, along the way. So why don't you tell us about it and uh, how you first got involved in this. Okay, um... Give her a mic. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, my name is Dominie Cole. Uh, so... This ministry is an outreach for vulnerable women and men uh, living, on, living and working on the streets of Edmonton. Um, it's more specifically geared towards women. Uh, the van itself is a large camper van that is being refitted in the back with benches, drawer space, and cupboards to facilitate women coming inside for prayer, clothing, and lunches. Uh, men do come to the window for prayer and lunches as well, but they are not coming inside of the van with us. The vision of the ministry is to provide a safe place for women to get a break from the streets, treat them with dignity, and show the love of Jesus through serving, prayer, and lunches, and time in healthy community. Okay. Um, and so that's the, that's the van up there and uh, on, on the screen, if you guys can have a look at that. Um, and uh, how long have you been involved with this, Dominique? Six years. Six years, wow. Okay, okay. Now, uh, the rest of you all, you, you all went with us on an amazing journey, all, all four of us actually, uh, to Phuket, Thailand in October. And what's interesting is there's a real connection that happened between what we experienced in Phuket and what we experienced back here at home. So w our partners for Freedom International works with uh, people who are being sexually exploited on the other side of the world. Um, in other words, being used as uh, sexual products. Um, and uh, they work at helping to liberate them and help them to see their lives restored and help them to get reconnected in new, new careers. Uh, and so we were over there seeing what they did, but one of the things that we did is we spent some time in what's called the red light district in Phuket, Thailand. And this is the place where you can essentially go shopping uh, for those sorts of things. So um, there's this real connection. But one of the experiences we had in, in Thailand was about this red light district. I can remember that first night. And so, Marisha, I know that you can remember that first night uh, as well. So why don't you tell us about the red light district and what you experienced that first night in the red light district in Phuket? All right. You have to hold the mic up there. There oh, we go. Man. Yeah. Okay. Um, the red light district. 
Well, it's definitely set out for tourist attraction. You have a nice big welcoming, welcome to um, Putang Beach. You have the Hill Tribe women out front with their toys and their gadgets and things to sell. Um, you walk in and you have like a McDonald's and a Starbucks and it's like, oh, this is going to be so family friendly. You got this big screen in the back, you know, people sliding down the slide. This looks like so much fun. Let's go. Let's party. This is the place to be. And you have to be here. Um, and doesn't take two more steps in and you've got, um, you see this tiger like tiger bar you have this tiger coming out at you like ready to devour you and you have people in your face coming up with these placards that say ping pong ping pong and it's relentless all the way down and it's their little menu of sex shows and things like that it's you know sectioned off um into um, areas of the lady men which is a group of us went into and was able to pray with one man um, and he actually did end up giving his heart to the Lord. Um, and then there's um, other sections where the ladies are, you know, on their poles and, you know, kind of hanging out there and on the street. And there's also another section where um, the women are actually allowed to be hurt. And it's indicated by men standing out with paddles and then sticks and they're hitting the sticks and things like that. Um, <laughs> this um, just... The sense of darkness and the sense of um, real heavy oppression and um, is very real, was very real for me, um, in so much that it made me physically ill and sick to my stomach. It was, um, it was very hard. Um, and what I felt after that, or the impression, um, it just made me so angry at the insidiousness of the enemy and of his deceitfulness of how this is so much fun, this is great. But when you saw the people, there was no joy. Their eyes were empty. There was just such a hollowness and such a, a grieving, I guess, you know, you could say in your spirit. So that was my yeah, experience yeah. in Thailand. Yeah, I remember that night. It was just so, so very dark. And, and yeah. you walked away and you didn't know what to feel. You just felt so overwhelmed um, by, by the brokenness and the darkness Right and and just how women were were commodities, just slabs of meat, as if you were walking through a butcher's um, a, a butchery. Yeah, so overwhelming. So um, we we when we came back from Thailand, we met together as a team, and we've been attempting to do that. And we asked the question, well, what did we learn there, and what does that mean for us here? In Edmonton, what does that what does that ultimately look like for us? And so, as we sat around uh, talking about this, we, we we discovered, of course, Dominique for six years. She's already been very involved in this ministry, um, but as a result of that, you all have also gotten involved in this ministry because there's a clear parallel between what's happening there and what's happening here. This is not a problem that's simply happening in Phuket. Thailand. So, uh, Lisa, why don't you talk ab about your first experience in, in, in working with the, uh, the Salvation Army Van Outreach? Sure. So, I'll just give you kind of a rundown of what our night looks like when we go there. Um, our schedule is kind of 9 o'clock at night till 2 o'clock in the morning. So, it's a late, late night for us. Uh, we start at 9 o'clock. We meet at the Salvation Army Crossroads Church just off of 95th Street and I think 116th Ave. Uh, first thing we do is we assemble lunches for the women. So we make about 40 bagged lunches that we can hand out there. 
after that, we just would meet together as a team. We would pray for the women, pray for the night, pray for each other, and then load up the van. So once we get on the van, uh, we drive slowly down 118th Ave, and the van is very, very familiar to most of the women working on the streets there. So they just give a wave to flag us down. We greet them at the window there, offer them a lunch, and then we offer them to come in a couple at a time into the van where they are allowed to choose one full outfit of clothing. We have clothes, coats, shoes, hygiene items, um, all that sort of stuff for them there. And then while they're doing that, we just sit and visit, talk with them. We offer them prayer, which is met with very mixed responses. Some women right away will you know, thank you, give you lots of prayer requests. Um, others will say, don't pray for me here. I don't want to be in your presence as you're praying, but you can pray for me after I leave. And some just say, no, thank you. Um, what I found really surprising after that first experience was I was very nervous going in, but just how easy these women were to talk to. Um, just one simple question is, do you have family? And it would just open up and they would talk with love about family, about kids, about you know, relationships about why they were there. And it was just, yeah, really, really wonderful to get a glimpse into these women's lives. Mm, that's great. Chris Ann, what did, what did you learn uh, about the people who you were serving in this ministry? And, and kind of tell us, how, how would you describe them? Well, not to be sassy, but they're human beings. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's kind of hard because, like, when we, the first few times we, not, we went out, you're kind of, it's, it's such a new experience and you're really nervous. So you don't really think, like, who are these people? Where, where do they come from? Who are these women? Um, it's just kind of very superficial until you start feeling more comfortable. What, um, you see a, a, age of, a range of ages. I think the youngest we had on the van was, a, was she 16? She was a homeless 16-year-old. And then, you know, much older women, homeless, being trafficked who are working the streets. I mean, you name it. There's a whole range of different people. Um, one thing that kind of helped, sorry, I have notes, but uh, <laughs> one thing that kind of um, changed my view on the people that we saw, there was this uh, documentary we saw at the Salvation Army, and I would recommend anyone watch it. It's called Human Trafficking, Canada's Secret Shame. Um, and it is a documentary from Joy Smith, who's a, who when she was a sitting MP for Canada, she actually enacted uh, a couple changes to the criminal code in regards to human trafficking in Canada. It's really interesting, but um, one of the stories on there is Steve Bell, um, which some of you might be familiar with, but he's a Canadian producer, singer, songwriter, and his daughter was trafficked. So you're thinking of this singer, songwriter, he's well known, money, resources, and his 12-year-old girl was being trafficked, and he found out it was pretty devastating. Um, and he ended up, he goes around and he talks about his experience to, to bring awareness to it, because it can literally happen to anybody. And most of the people we see in the street are being trafficked um, for money. And, um, but he went to the UFC, I think was one of his stories, and he was talking about human trafficking, and a woman self-identified in the crowd and sought help and was able to leave it. So that just kind of gives you an idea. It can not to create blanket fear, but it can be anybody. Um, you, you have no idea what the stories are. Um, one thing too, sorry not to take up too much time. Um, you guys know Radanac, right? Obviously, Crosspoint. But Brian um, McClonaghy? Am I saying that right, Rob? He was also in this documentary, and he talks about the grooming process for kind of pulling people into the, the trafficking that happens. And it is as simple as, like, 
a woman goes to a bar and you have a man approach you. He's good looking. He has a nice car, really good clothes. He um, says you're the most beautiful woman in the room and all these things. And then slowly but surely it's this um, power relationship of abuse and emotional control that, that leads these girls to, to, um, to being used in the sex industry for money. So it's just, it's incredibly complicated and you just have to be really respectful of the woman who you're encountering. You, you just have no idea what they've been through. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think what happens when, you, when, you, when you're working with those who are broken is you discover more and more just how broken you are. That uh, those in need in our world are a mirror reflection of ourselves. Yeah. Um, and we're no different. And that we need the grace of God just as just as much as as they do. Um, so I'm going to throw this question out to Lisa and Marisha. Uh, what's God been teaching you through all of this? For myself, that God is faithful. Um, he's faithful when I get out of my comfort zone and come up and do stuff like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, and. Um, Anyways, yeah, when I'm obedient to him and step out in, you know, of my comfort zone, he knows what I need. He knows, um, you know, whether it's courage or peace or um, wisdom. Um, and also that he is a God of restoration. Mm -hmm. And um, he's there to restore not only our lives, but these women's lives that are on the street and these homeless um, men. And, um, and that God is just so awesome and it's just that he has um just shown me in every step that he is faithful and he just he, and there's such great reward in being obedient to stepping out of our comfort zone like lisa was saying like you know it wasn't comfortable at first and stuff like that but just there's just such obedience and there's such joy in serving these girls and um I don't know. I just feel that my heart is there when I'm when I'm out there on in the van and out talking with these girls and being with them. It's just um, my heart just swells. It's just like you know, God loves these girls. He mm. loves those men. He loves us just the same. So that's what He's been teaching me. Yeah, it's good, Lisa. Uh, I feel that God has really been teaching me a lot about prayer. Before we went to Thailand, I had two prayers that I kind of prayed over and over. I asked God to break my heart for these women, and I asked him to help me see him the way he sees them. And I've continued on with those prayers, working on the van too, um, and he really does. After I leave a night, <laughs> my heart is broken. These women's faces and their stories, they play over and over in my mind. Um, just seeing the way God sees them through my teammates' eyes as they love on them, as they pray for them, as they talk to them, as they make them feel worthy. Uh, when I was first approached to ask if I would have an interest in this ministry, my first inclination was to say no. It was just to say, I can't. Um, God, I'm not suited towards this. You know, I have my own insecurities. Social, it's, it's hard for me. It's difficult. It's, it's work. Um, but then, you know, God said to me, yeah, you know, by yourself, you can't do it. But with me, you can. Hmm. Were you guys out last night? Last, last, week. last week. Last week. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. That would have been a bold thing to <laughs> crawl into bed at three in the morning and then come here, hey? Uh, okay, so I'm going to throw this one back to you, Domini. Um, you were, you were the, kind of the, one of the first ones who got involved. Why did you get involved? And, uh, and then maybe tell us a little bit about how others might get involved. But for you, tell us uh, your, your story. 
Um, I went out with a friend whose husband was very nervous about her going out and she asked me to go along with her. Uh, and once we got out there, the pastor that was showing us the ropes, um, she invited a lady into the van and um, just very gently knelt down and asked her her story. And after the lady shared that, she asked her if she would like to pray and she said yes. And so that pretty much got me hooked because I felt like it was... Um, the ministry was built on relationships and sharing Jesus' name and just uh, being in fellowship together out there. Um, so for me, Jesus, I just, Jesus, it's been a process of Jesus' work in my own heart to understand that there is no quick fix in our hearts and lives. And um, it, he just walks along beside us. He has the power to change our hearts and change our circumstances. Uh, I feel like we're called to be out there with the girls, just like Jesus is um, right there with us through everything. Good. Um, now we, we've uh, put information in the bulletin about how women can get involved in this ministry. Men, you cannot. Um, but how women can uh, potentially get involved. But uh, anything to add to that? Uh, yeah. So the upcoming event here at Crosspoint is Salvation Army Outreach Van Presentation. Um, the so quite a mouthful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie Martinoski is the Outreach Van and Volunteer Coordinator, and Major Raylene Russell are going to be coming. Um, I think Raylene Russell has also been named the Northern Territories Human Trafficking uh, Person for Salvation Army, so she's a great resource. Uh, it'll be upstairs in the uh, Toza room, April 10th at 6 p.m. They're also bringing the van for a viewing, and they're always looking for prayers. Lunch makers, the lunches have to be made. Uh, the sandwiches in a health-inspected kitchen now, so it makes it a little bit harder to get those done. Um, they're looking for volunteers, donations. Almost everything is run off of vo volunteers and donations. And um, you can get in touch with any one of us, and we can get you contacts. Awesome. You know, our, our heart is to, to partner with ministries that are happening in our local community here. We believe it's no accident that God has planted us here, and it's important for us to love this community in the same way that Jesus does. And this is just one of the ways that we can do that. And you can play a part in it, and you, you can be a part of it. So uh, that information night's helpful. I mean, uh, they can talk to you guys as well afterwards, uh, hear a little bit more about your stories. Um, God sends the qualified? No, he qualifies the sent, right? And uh, yeah, that's a good news, right? Because I'm sure all of you were a little bit apprehensive, maybe a little terrified when you first started out on this journey. But God, by his grace, has equipped and enabled you guys to do it. And you just went. And way to go. Thank you for doing that. And uh, um, I, I just want to pray for this ministry. I want to invite you to pray with us. And then uh, we're going to thank you guys. Uh, God, uh, we pray uh, that prayer. Break our hearts for the things that break your heart. We pray that you would help us to see people as you see them, people who you love and who you gave up everything to see them rescued. And we pray that you would, we would see people, uh, we would see ourselves as well, as just as in need of your grace every single day. So bless this ministry, bless these four as they continue in it, and show us what that means for us. And we pray these things now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So 
Please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.